0: On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks wrapped up their preseason with a 1-5 in record after their 6 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues on Saturday afternoon. I'll go over what went wrong for the Hawks in the preseason. I'll also get into the Riley Stillman trade that happened late on Friday night. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, October 10th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2. Or you can also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please be sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. Be sure to go and rate five stars as well. And you can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well, if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever. You may be listening to your podcasts. go and follow the show right now. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because each and every episode from here on out folks will have a video uploaded to YouTube as well. So please, if you haven't done so yet, go and subscribe to lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate all the support folks it means more to me. And all of you would know, while you're there, be sure to turn on the the push notifications as well. Go and ring that bell so you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. Hope everyone out there had a lovely weekend and enjoyed themselves. I know it was a little brisk out there on Friday and Saturday, but yesterday things started to warm up a little bit. It was a a lovely afternoon, so I hope some of you got to enjoy that because looking ahead at the forecast, there probably aren't too many nice days left, especially here in the Chicagoland area. Winter is coming, as they like to say in Game of Thrones. It's a sad reality that we all find ourselves in around October that Summer days are long gone. Days in the 70s are few and far between. We'll be lucky to get even a couple more in the 70s. So uh, yeah, yesterday was definitely nice to get outside for uh, a couple of hours and enjoy it. But to open things up on the show here this morning, we have a lot to dive into. A lot went down over the weekend for the Chicago Blackhawks. There was a trade on Friday night. They wrapped up their Final game of the preseason on Saturday afternoon in St. Louis. And then, of course, we're just now two days away from the regular, regular season opener against the Colorado Avalanche. So a lot's going on for the Chicago Blackhawks right now. And want to make sure to get you all <clears throat> all caught up on everything as we start to approach the regular season opener. Uh, but to open things up this morning on the show, folks, let's just get into the preseason disaster that we saw from the Chicago Blackhawks the past couple of weeks. And in nice fashion, they wrapped it up with a beautiful little 6 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues on Saturday afternoon, which I'm very happy we all didn't have to watch it since it wasn't televised in the Chicagoland area. Thank the Lord that we didn't have to sit through that. It definitely would have ruined my Saturday. Blackhawks get absolutely pummeled by the Blues, wasn't even close. While the shots on goal may suggest that it was, again, The Blues were the team that capitalized on their chances. The Blackhawks did not. And that was kind of a common theme we saw all throughout the preseason. And all in all, the Hawks wrapped up the preseason with a one in five record, folks. They lost each of their last four games and they were shut out in three of them. And in total, the Hawks mustered up just six goals in their six preseason games. They were outscored 22 to six. They also went just one for 26 on the power play in the entire preseason. Yikes. Offensively, we could be in for a very long year, folks, because in those preseason games, even the guys in the top six, Max Domi, Jonathan Taves, Tyler Johnson, Andreas Athanasiou, when he was there, none of those guys really have capitalized on their chances thus far. And in the first few games, When Taves and Kane were split up earlier on in the preseason, Taves was on the top line, Kane was on the second, or Kane was on the top, Taves were on the second, whatever you want to call it. They weren't on the same line, most importantly. None of the guys that got a chance up on that top line were really taking advantage of their opportunity playing with Patrick Kane. Like No one has really appeared to have figured it out just yet. Domi and Athanasiu were always deferring to Kane Domi kind of blew a couple real good scoring looks in the preseason. Athanasiu, I mean, his speed is evident night in and night out. It's going to give him opportunities. It's just all about whether or not he's going to convert on those. And that's kind of been the story of his career thus far. And in the preseason, wasn't able to take advantage of those opportunities. And because of that, some other guys were getting looks inside the top six. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays were put back together. It's been pretty gross all in all for the Blackhawks offense. No one's really set in stone. No one's really fully grasped their job that's up for grabs in front of them. I think it's going to be a lot of tinkering and hitting the blender from Luke Richardson to open up the year, if I had to guess, because he's still trying to figure out what forward combinations are going to work. Who's a top six guy? Who's a bottom six guy? Who can play with Patrick Kane? Who can't? It's still up for grabs. and. We didn't really learn a whole much about the Blackhawks offense this preseason because they only scored 6 goals in those 6 games and not a lot of it came from the offensive leaders so on and so forth. And then the power play. I will say the puck movement has been better, but they're just still so reluctant to get the puck to those high danger areas and it's it's so frustrating because when you go and you watch other teams across the NHL, especially some of the better teams, they just move the puck with ease on the power play and get it into the bumper situation when there's an opening there or get it across for one timers. The puck movement is just so effortless and they make it look so easy to find the open man. And the Blackhawks just never can seem to do that. Like they move the puck well on the perimeter, yeah, and they got things moving around at least a little bit, but not a whole lot of high danger area chances. It's a lot of shots from out near the blue line, out at the dot. And if that's going to be the only thing that works, they need to do a better job at at getting some traffic in front of the net and causing havoc in front of the goaltender because that's the only way it seems like the Blackhawks are going to get the job done on the man advantage. They're just not finding those tic-tac goal situations. And just all in all, a clear approach, I guess, poor approach from the Blackhawks, it was just clear they weren't aggressive enough with the puck on their stick in the preseason. Like, they weren't shooting it at the right times. It just feels like they're trying to do too much always. And yeah, the power play really struggled in their six games this preseason, one for 26, not a good lot of, not a whole lot of good looks. Uh, Colton doc actually was um, a nice breath of fresh air on the man advantage for the one game that he played because all the kid did was shoot the puck. And I think we might need a little more out of that uh, from the Blackhawks man advantage this season, because one for 26 clearly, Isn't getting the job done, and also don't forget the Hawks went all last year without getting a power play goal from a defenseman. So, I the preseason is any any indicator it could be another tough year for the Blackhawks man advantage and potentially the offense as a whole in general. I did also want to talk for a moment about the penalty kill though because I actually have to give them some credit after that dreadful. 0-3 0 for three start against St. Louis in the preseason opener. Luke Richardson's aggressive PK won 15 for 16 in the final five games, and uh, four in a row without allowing a power play goal until the preseason finale against St. Louis on Saturday. So nice to see at least you know one area of the special teams is heading in the right direction. The penalty kill certainly that area did improve as we went game by game by game. Uh, Blackhawks are going to need them to be working relentlessly and converting at a, a pretty high clip in order to uh, keep them around if the power play is going to be playing like this. But yeah, all in all, just a total nightmare of a preseason for the Blackhawks. It was not fun to watch a majority of their games. The first one, <laughs> the first couple were actually pretty fun. And I was like, okay, well. You know, the Blackhawks aren't going to be very good this year. That we know, but they could be a fun team to watch. And, like, that's going to make it easier for a lot of fans to kind of buy in. Nope, they go on an absolute stinker of a run to finish up the preseason, get shut out. In three of their final four games, they lose all of them and only score one goal in the process. Not a good look from the Blackhawks. They could be on their way to a brutal regular season, as uh, most fans seem to think at this point. All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks' brutal preseason. Coming up in just a moment, I will break down the Riley Stillman trade that happened on Friday night and what it means for the Blackhawks' opening night roster. But first, I need to talk to you all about BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. It's both the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device to learn more right now about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Segment two. Let's dive right into the Friday night trade that the Blackhawks made, sending defenseman Riley Stillman to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for forward Jason Dickinson and a 2024 second round pick. And man, Surprising trade that occurred on Friday night for the Chicago Blackhawks, just five days before their season opener against Colorado. I really figured this was going to be the group that the Blackhawks were going to roll with in Denver to open up the season. But then, you know, we heard in the preseason and in training camp and throughout the summer that the Blackhawks, Kyle Davidson, their general manager, was going to try to weaponize his cap space availability and with a lot of other nhl teams out there a good majority of the nhl teams out there being right up against the salary cap this season and a lot of teams are needing to move pieces around in order to kind of make things work kyle davidson wanted to be able to take advantage of those situations he talked about that in the summer and looks like on friday night he found himself in a position to do so. And unfortunately for Riley Stillman, you know, someone who probably thought he was solidified on the NHL roster and was going to get a really good look with the Blackhawks this season to kind of prove to the organization that he can be an NHLer full time and he is part of the future on defense for this team. It, it seemed like it was going to be a make or break year for Stillman, but ultimately, I just think Kyle Davidson got too good of an offer to say no to. And I just, I, I, when I look at this trade, funny enough, I was actually asleep on Friday night. Of course, the one time I like go to bed early on Friday night, prepping myself for a busy weekend, the Blackhawks make a trade at like 930 on Friday night, literally like unprecedented. But when I woke up on Saturday morning and I saw this trade, I don't, I don't know how anyone could be mad. Like, I feel like this is a, a home run by Kyle Davidson. And while it definitely sucks for Riley Stillman, I feel for him because Was probably a group he was really close with, and he really wanted to prove himself to this organization. Like, I I thought, you know, Riley Stillman was a lock to be on the NHL roster given his experience and his age and just the group that the Blackhawks have right now. But I still felt like he had a ton to prove to this new front office and to this new coaching staff. Like, this was still going to be a really big year for him, even though he already is in that NHL pedestal compared to some of the other guys. I still feel like to, to get this type of return for Riley Stoneman, it absolutely had to be done. And there are some people out there who feel like the Blackhawks didn't take advantage of Vancouver's cap situation enough by only getting a second-round pick and Jason Dickinson. Those are probably the same people who thought that <clears throat> the move by Davidson to uh, get back into the first round for a third time at the 2022 NHL Draft by uh taking on Peter Morazic's contract. They're probably the same people who thought that was a bad deal. Look, yeah, you can always make the case that he could have gotten more, sure. But this is a really good deal. Like, I feel like Kyle Davidson in this situation wouldn't want to try and get more in, in the chance of ruining this trade because a second round pick in the 2024 NHL draft, that alone for Riley Stillman. I think trading Riley Stillman for a second straight up is a win for the Blackhawks. No doubt about it. Like Stillman may be an NHLer, but I don't think he's ever going to be a top four guy. And to get a second round pick for a third pairing defenseman feels like really good value to me. Now, obviously the Blackhawks take on Jason Dickinson and he's got two years left on his current deal at uh 2.65 million dollars. So they saved the Vancouver Canucks about 1.3 million. Riley Stillman has two years left with 1.3 million on his deal. So they saved, you know, The Canucks were able to save half of that by by moving Dickinson. I I still think this is just a, a phenomenal trade by the Blackhawks all in all. And Kyle Davidson just continues to do what he told us he was going to do. There's no surprises here. He told us when he first got this job, we have to build back better through the draft. We have to get better at developing, recognizing talent, getting as many future assets as possible. That's the name of the game for the Blackhawks. And all he's done since he's taken over as general manager is add assets in the future. He's now added five first round picks, three in the 2022 NHL draft. Don't forget, the Blackhawks started that day with zero. They ended up with three. He also added two from the Taylor Radish trade. He's now added three second round picks and three third round picks from 2022 to 2024. The Blackhawks have significantly increased the amount of draft picks they've had. And now, in 2023 and 2024, they will have at least two picks in the first, second, and third round, probably more considering all the other guys that they could potentially move. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Domi, Athanasiu. I've mentioned Jake McCabe could possibly be in that group. Same with Connor Murphy. There's A lot of guys, the Blackhawks could move if they wanted to get more and more assets. That's likely to happen. So I think you have to be Happy that Kyle Davidson has stuck to this plan so far, and he hasn't deterred from it whatsoever. Every move he's made, nothing about it was surprising. Yeah, sure, the return for Alex DeBrenket, that in itself was surprising and certainly underwhelming, but the trade in itself, you can't be, you can't say you've been backstabbed by the franchise because Kyle Davidson laid out the foundation of what he was going to do, and he's executed it. He's stuck to his plan. He's stuck to his word. And he's done exactly what he said he was going to do. And I think that just, it means a lot for the Chicago Blackhawks. It means a lot for them to actually have a plan and to actually have a direction. That, in and alone of itself, feels like a victory considering what we've been through the last few years. And Kyle Davidson is sticking to his plan. Now, will it work? That's something we're going to find out three, four, five, six years down the road. But at least Kyle Davidson is sticking to his gut He's sticking to his foundation, sticking to the core, and doing what he said he was going to do. And trading Riley Stillman, who's a fringe guy, look, I'll lay out how this trade can be won or lost for both teams. The Blackhawks, how this is a win is if they take advantage of that second-round pick. They draft well, they get a good player at that pick, and he becomes a, a good nhl one day down the road. Also, Jason Dickinson, while I get he's 27 years old, kind of just another guy who's, going to be in there. He is a bottom 6 NHLer already at his career. He's a former first round pick. He's already played nearly 300 NHL games for the Dallas Stars and the Vancouver Canucks. Probably overpaid, no doubt about that, but the Blackhawks have room to overpay guys. They're not really worried about their cap situation right now. By taking on Dickinson's bad deal, again, he's got two years left at $2.65 million. He can jump right in and be in the bottom six. And to get a second round pick just for Riley Stillman, like, that seems like an absolute win for me at the end of the day. So I was really, I was really happy with this Riley Stillman trade. I know it's tough for Stillman personally, but that's the nature of the beast in the NHL, man. It's a business at the end of the day. And I think this was just a deal too good for Kyle Davidson to say no to. So yeah, Jason Dickinson now part of the Blackhawks NHL group, Riley Stillman's in Vancouver. Kyle Davidson has added yet another draft asset. Hopefully we hit on that pick because, uh, So far, his first draft class, the twenty twenty two class, looks really sharp, and I'm excited to see this prospect pool continue to grow and grow and grow over the next few years. Also, real quick before I get into our third and final segment of the day, I did want to mention how this trade kind of affects the Blackhawks NHL roster for opening night. Now, everything is still pretty much set in stone, but there are a couple of things up in the air in terms of the NHL forwards. pretty set in stone. The only thing that's changed is now Jason Dickinson is going to come in. He's an NHL guy, certainly capable of jumping into the bottom six right now. And that has bumped Buddy Robinson out of the mix. Buddy Robinson looked to be the extra forward that the Blackhawks were going to keep on their opening night roster. He'd be the 13th guy. uh, I believe Boris Kachuk, he's still going to be out for quite some time when he comes back. He'll obviously return to the NHL group. Uh, But now Buddy Robinson was placed on waivers yesterday for the purpose of being reassigned to the Rockford IceHogs. I don't expect him to be claimed. So now it's going to be interesting to see kind of who is the extra forward here. Is it going to be Jason Dickinson? Uh, The forward group as a whole, we got Tyler Johnson, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Philip Kershev, Max Domi, Taylor Radish. I'm interested to see if that opens up the season as the second line. Uh, then we have Andreas Athanasiou. Where is he going to be is kind of the million-dollar question. Then there's Sam Lafferty and Ju Jarkera. Then we got Colin Blackwell, Reese Johnson, and Mackenzie Entwistle. Those are the 12 guys. 13 is uh, Josh Dickinson, Jason Dickinson, excuse me. There is a Josh Dickinson as well. I used to be part of the Blackhawks organization. So, yeah, now it's kind of time to see who's going to be the extra. Is it going to be Dickinson? Is it going to be, you know, someone like, Entwistle or Kara or who's going to be the odd man out. That's going to be one thing to keep an eye on in these final couple of days before the regular season opener against the Avalanche. And then on defense with Stillman now out of the mix, uh, we saw Isaac Phillips get recalled over the weekend, but I think that was only so the Blackhawks would have enough healthy defensemen to play in that game against St. Louis because Jake McCabe, while he did return to practice on Friday in full contact, which is great news, and it seems like he is going to go on the road trip with the Blackhawks. They have a three-game road trip to open up the season. Doesn't seem like he's going to play in any of those three games, and they are currently targeting Friday, October 21st, the home opener against the Red Wings, as a potential return date for Jake McCabe. Connor Murphy also did return to practice on Friday. He's been nursing a back injury a little bit. Sounds like the Blackhawks are confident that he's going to be able to go on Wednesday. The one who's really up in the air is Caleb Jones. We saw him injure his shoulder in the second-to-last preseason game for the Blackhawks. Hasn't been around at practice recently. His status is a little more up in the air uh, for the opener against the Avalanche on Wednesday. So we're going to see. But as of right now, we know Jack Johnson and Seth Jones are going to be healthy enough to be in the lineup. Still got to see what combinations Luke Richardson is going to go with. He's kind of been mixing and matching as he's done with the forward group in the past week or so. Uh, I think Connor Murphy, it sounds like he's going to be healthy to go for the season opener. Then we have uh, Alex Vlasic, Philip Rose and Alec Regula. What's going to happen here. And interestingly enough, we've kind of heard a development about Philip Rouse. Uh, Rose. I'm still very confused on his last name, folks. I promise I'm going to get it down soon but apparently there is a clause in his contract where he could return to his swedish team if he isn't up at the nhl level now we heard rose uh talk with the media recently and say he would prefer to stay in the nhl but i don't know if it's his choice or if his swedish team kind of has the rights and they get the ultimate final say whatever it may be i do wonder if that's going to impact philip rose and whether or not he makes the nhl lineup because it looks like he could be in there over Alex Vlasic right now. I feel like the Blackhawks, kind of like Reichel and kind of like Soderblom, they're not opposed to giving Vlasic more time in Rockford. I guess he hasn't had any time in Rockford. Giving him some time in Rockford this season to kind of get some more opportunities with that group, really be the man down there, play in all scenarios, a big role. Blackhawks are really valuing that as an organization, and with Regula having a little bit more pro experience and being a little bit more developed than he and Philip Rose in that same boat, feels like those two have the better chance to make the opening night lineup as the final two defensemen, but there is a chance that all three can make it as well. It's, it's really coming down to the wire here on defense for the Blackhawks. That's the one position I really think all fans should be keeping an eye on on these final two days to see how they are going to go about it, whether or not Caleb Jones is going to be healthy enough to play. It's really interesting with the youngins on the back end for the Blackhawks to see what all is going to go down in uh, these final days before the regular season begins. Getting into segment three now today, before I wrap things up, folks, it's time to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from Landon McClellan, at Landon mcclell 15 on Twitter, who asked, Hey Jack, I'd like to know your opinion on what a possible trade return for Kane and Taves would look like. Some interesting prospects to look at to help the rebuild and the possibility of Kane re-signing in the offseason after being traded for a potential cup run. A lot of questions here to break down. Um. In terms of what a return would look like for Jonathan Tays, man, it's tough to say right now because I think a lot of that is going to hinge on how he plays in the first half of the regular season because even if the Blackhawks cut down his salary, they retain 50% and cut it down to 5.25 million. Um, Yeah, that's the right math. Yeah, that is the correct math. Good. Um, If he's playing poorly, you know, Not a lot of teams are going to be able to take on $5.25 million and also are going to be wanting to give up assets to do so without a contract being signed in the future. Like It's going to be tough to move Jonathan Taves if he's not playing well, and the Blackhawks really aren't going to have that much leverage in the situation, also considering that Taves probably isn't going to want to sign an extension right away to wherever he gets traded. So, yeah, it's tough to kind of gauge exactly what that's going to be for Patrick Kane considering that he's been the more consistent player, you know, I don't want to say throughout his career, because early on Jonathan Taze was amazing, but especially since they've reached the 30-year-old plateau, he's been more consistent than Jonathan Taze has, no doubt about it. I was actually having this debate with a buddy the other day. It's tough with Patrick Kane too, because yeah, it's still going to be $5.25 million, and whatever team theoretically acquires him, they're not going to have any Guarantee that he's gonna sign an extension in the off season. Like I just don't see that happening. I don't see Patrick Kane or Jonathan Tays rushing into a contract extension with a team they get traded to. Like they're probably gonna want to think things through in the off season before they make any choice on their future. So, without that kind of guarantee for another team, it's like, are they really gonna give up the bag for Patrick Kane? Like, I know this sounds weird, but like two first round picks and a prospect doesn't sound out of the ballpark and I know there are people out there who are going to say we got that we got a better deal for Brandon Hagel well that's kind of the financial situation of the NHL right now Brandon Hagel had an incredible contract situation he's young in his career and that's really why the Blackhawks were able to get so much because he's costing Tampa Bay literally nothing Patrick Kane is not going to cost nothing and there's no guarantee that he's even going to be around for more than half a season for one shot to try to go and win a Stanley cup with another team. So like I could say three first round picks, but like even that feels a little bit hard. Like that's the value that Patrick Kane should be getting undoubtedly. Like you would think three first round picks and a really good prospect, but like there are so many things that go into a trade. Kane has to agree to get traded there. The Blackhawks need to agree to this trade because it's a competent return. Like Kane has to waive his no movement clause in order to go to these places. There's so much that go into it. It's just, it feels difficult for the Blackhawks to get the absolute most for Patrick Kane, like three or four first-round picks. Like, I'd probably guess two to three first-round If it's three first-round picks, I don't know if we get a prospect in return. If it's two first-round picks, I think we get a pretty good prospect. I know that feels like I'm lowballing it, but there are a lot of things that make it difficult for a Patrick Kane trade to actually come to fruition. So I guess we're just going to have to wait to see, but that's kind of my ballpark of that. Um, the possibility of Kane re-signing in the offseason after being traded for a potential cup run. Maybe. Maybe he does actually want to come back. I think if he wins a Stanley Cup with another team, if he were to get traded and goes and wins a Stanley Cup, that would make it a little more likely that he'd come back to Chicago. But if he goes and gets traded somewhere, goes on a playoff run, and like comes close... That's only going to spark the competitive edge even more. And he's not going to want to come back to the Blackhawks after that. He's going to want another crack at the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I'd say pretty slim that that happens. Um, But you never know. Never going to rule anything out. Uh, I just think it's unlikely that he comes back to the Blackhawks after getting a taste of what it's like to uh, be back in that competitive atmosphere and to be chasing the dream once again. Second question, I wanted to answer today. Got to pull it up here real quick. Comes from, hmm, is this a real question? Ken Bridgman. Given how incredibly boring the Hawks will be on those late West Coast games, will you just go to bed early and speed watch the game at six AM like me? Now, sadly, I am gonna sadly I am gonna be watching the Blackhawks. Um, from Joe Cromwell, will the Blackhawks be the worst? You know, they probably they might be. I don't think they're going to be worse than Arizona. I just don't, but they might be. After what we saw in the preseason, it was, it was ugly, folks. It was, it was not a good look for the Blackhawks in the preseason. I think their biggest competition for the Conor Bedard sweepstakes is the Arizona Coyotes. I don't know if they can be worse than them. That's a really ugly team on paper. But let the games commence here in just a couple of days, folks. Uh, last question, at Hawks Tank, <clears throat> July 22 created account. Lovely. From Hawks Tank, is it time for Rocky Warts to step down as chairman? I know at this point it's just a title, but Danny is seemingly doing this job and thusly deserves the title as well. Also, no point in ever having Rocky speak at a town hall again. Thoughts? Yeah, don't expect Rocky Works to be saying too much publicly after that disgraceful outburst last year. Oh, my gosh. I actually still can't believe that really happened. Again, credit to Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson for literally just asking questions as journalists and Rocky Works throwing a temper tantrum as a 75-year-old billionaire. It was really quite pathetic. Um, Is it time for Rocky Wurtz to step down as chairman? I don't know. I don't think it's ever really going to matter. What I'm just more so happy with is the job that Danny Wurtz is doing. I think Danny Wurtz is doing an unbelievable job. He shows that he actually cares about this franchise and not just what happens on the ice, not just wins and losses, but like he cares about the community. He cares about the city of Chicago. He cares about the Native Americans. He's trying to learn more about them. He's trying to honor them and do the right things in that direction. Uh, I just really liked everything that Danny Wirtz has done so far. And I'm sure that he probably had a hard time listening to what his father said at that town hall. But um, as long as Danny's kind of the one, you know, his face is in the the screen and he's the one, you know, kind of calling the shots in public, uh, whatever as long as Danny stays like that, I'll be happy. I I don't know if it's time for Rocky to step down. I definitely don't, <laughs> definitely don't love the idea of having him still around, but I don't see him going away at any time. So, I mean, if Danny, you know, keeps on this path and keeps doing some great work, that's all I really care about. Yeah. It's definitely unfortunate and messed up what Rocky works said. And I don't agree with that whatsoever, but it's, you know, their family's the ownership group of the team. So I have a hard time finding that Rocky's going to step down unless something crazy happens. Uh, But we'll see no point in having Rocky speak at a town hall. I will agree with that. Um, Hopefully we'll never have to hear another statement like that from him ever again. All right, folks, that is going to wrap up Monday, October 10th episode of lockdown black boxed. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks right now, wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, you got to be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates and to get all caught up on everything that went down throughout the NHL offseason. It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to go and check out Locked On NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you could also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talking Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and upside a hiccup. Excuse me. So until tomorrow's episode, Thanks again for tuning into the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown, Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.